On Conversations with Kelly, we're taking a deep dive on data, or is it data? However you choose to pronounce it, we'll get into that later. Data is the most important tool that businesses can use to drive decisions in the workplace, but only if you know where to find it, when to capture it, and how to analyze it. We sit down with Director of Strategy and Operations, Ryan Harrington of the Delaware Data Innovation Lab, and small business owner and active data user, Tanya Williamson, founder of Married to the Ring. Welcome. Today we are back in CSC Station, um, right on the Christina River in downtown Wilmington. And we're here to talk about data, um, or maybe it's data. I will ask you both which one it is in a minute. <laughs> um, this is the perfect place to be doing it because actually the Delaware Data Innovation Lab is housed here. Um, we've all heard the term, but do we really know what it means? How do we use it? How do we collect it? When do we collect it? All questions I have for our guests today. Um, and when we truly do harness the power of data, really strategic decisions can be made. Now, I am not an expert on the topic, so thankfully I have two experts with me. Um, first is Ryan Harrington with the Delaware Data Innovation Lab, and I also have Tanya Williamson. Uh, well, you're the founder of Married to the Ring, but I know you have more than one business. Um, so Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. So my background did not start in data. Actually, I started as a teacher. So I started, I came to Delaware originally through Teach for America, um, and it was there where I figured out I had this love for data. We were trying to use more data in the classroom to make decisions about how to help our students, and I just felt like we weren't doing a great job of it. A couple years later, realized that there was a chance to maybe explore that further. So I got a master's degree in it, eventually went and led a data science team, and now I'm with the Delaware Data Innovation Lab, and here we are. So data versus data, you say data. I mostly say data, but sometimes I slip and I say data. So <laughs> like, I'm gonna be confusing today, and I'm You're sorry. You're just gonna switch back and forth. I am, I am. It makes it even more confusing for all of us. I know, sorry, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> Tanya, tell us a little bit about yourself and your businesses. So it's interesting, I, you know, just listening to Ryan, I actually started out in corporate America, and in corporate America, I ran and led an MIS team, mm. which is where I was forced to learn about data and how to query information in order to do strategic moves within our processes. So when I crossed over into the entrepreneurship space, I knew initially that marketing plan, we had to extract data, mm -hmm. you know, in order to understand specifically what our targeted market was, our audience and how we were going to be able to navigate through uh, systematically. And so through all of our enterprises across our companies, we've been able to use data to, su to successfully work with our clients. I say she's a data person. I was just gonna say, you're consistent with data. Yes, I'm a data, <laughs> I'm a data gal. <laughs> this is gonna be the argument the whole time now. Two against one on data over here, so. With that, let's launch into the conversation. Um, Ryan. Large corporations have been data mining for years. They're very well versed in how to collect it, how to use it. Can you kind of just talk about what that means? Yeah, so data is really good <laughs> to help you with strategy, really. So you can't just have data for data's sake. Like data is there for a purpose. It's there for you to connect it to your strategic decision making, for to help you make decisions, to create a feedback loop so that you can go from this is what I think the outcome will be. You test it and measure it, and then you bring it back to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different ways you can do that from at the base level, just collecting it and reporting on it, to some of the more advanced things like artificial intelligence or mm -hmm. 
name your jargon and buzzwords in that space. And there's a full spectrum that mm -hmm. goes in between. But you know, it sounds like you did that in the corporate space. I'd love to hear about what that meant for you. And that's exactly what I wanted to experience when I transferred over into the entrepreneurship space. I wanted automation. I wanted mm -hmm. smart processes, mm -hmm. and I wanted to do business smart. And so, married to the ring, although it, it just turned five years old, you know, and we're talking about three years of that was primarily the pandemic, right? But the first two years, we were able to, through data, serve seven states and two countries. Wow! And so that spoke to the data that we were able to access based upon our targeted market, mm -hmm. based upon where the problem or the need existed. And one of the, the greatest parts about being able to have data is we also discovered that at that time, prior to the pandemic, when we started to develop our exportation plan to do business with other countries, we actually found that our feasible plan had to change slightly mm -hmm. in order to meet the needs with our partners across the world. And so without that data, we wouldn't have been able to size up specifically what type of product or service mm -hmm. we should even extend to that specific market. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. So you, know, you have more than one business, but like, is there a trend in a type of data that you're looking for across the board or is it very unique to your business? It, I believe, well, it, in our situation, it's unique to your industry. Mm. Uh, and one of the things that's, that I'm a strategic thought leader. We're not just doing business to do business, right? We need to make sure that we're creating business models where we do beta tests, because that's what mm -hmm. I adopted from corporate world, to see whether or not the outcome is, is, is a good fit for a specific market. And so when I look at Mary to the Ring, we'll use Mary to the mm -hmm. Ring as an example. Uh, when we were developing a relationship-based product for other countries, we discovered that what we did in the U.S. was less favorable than those other countries. Mm. They were actually ahead of the game. We just had a differentiator. The service for that specific product was more needed in the U.S. than it was because at that time the divorce rate in the U.S was extremely high in compared to the other countries. However, post the pandemic and during the pandemic, it heightened the fact that the divorce rate, if we're talking about that specific product, was now a global issue. Mm -hmm. So that meant that we had to tailor our data to support the need of those specific areas. And that's just one that, example. That keeps your organization relevant. It keeps us relevant, it keeps us ahead, and we're not servicing, uh, we're not just providing services to just anyone. Mm -hmm. We're providing services to those who truly need it, but we're also providing services that provides an impact you know, to that specific area. And I actually wanna back you up a little bit. So we had a chance to talk a little bit briefly before we started recording this. Um, yes. And Mary to the Ring is a very unique company. Can you just yes. explain what it is and what it does and how it's evolved? Absolutely, so Mary to the Ring is a relationship building organization. We provide solutions to the government, uh, faith-based faith organizations as well as corporations and consumers. We, event, we, we initially started off, it's, it's interesting, we dealt with marriage couples initially, but we found out that married couples' issues in terms of relationships bled into the workplace, which ultimately affected 
performance in the workplace and also attrition. And as a result of that, we then evolved into providing services to corporations that just helps relationship building, period, mm -hmm. on how individuals should be able to work strategically with other individuals and understand that how they work in the workplace affects their performance personally and vice versa. And so now we're excited because we have a specific model that literally is developed and we provide to, cor to corporations mm -hmm. for selling. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, Ryan, I wanna go back to you for a second. Yeah. Um, because you work with so many different businesses and kind of help them implement different models, is there a best practice or, or tips that you would be saying is is worth highlighting? Like in terms of getting started with data, yeah, essentially? Kind of like beginner's yeah, level. Yeah, definitely. So like I said before, data always connects back to strategy. So mm -hmm. I think the number one mistake I see people make is they almost see data as being a, a solve all the problems type of solution. You know, just use data and like we're gonna solve our problems, it's mm -hmm. fine. That's not really the case. So if you, you really have to have a specific question that you're trying to solve as you're getting started. So concentrate on one thing first and then get your house in order from there. Mm -hmm. So if you wanna answer that one specific question, walk yourself backwards. What is the data I would need to answer that? Over what period of time? How much of it? What type? Am I collecting that data in the first place? then start to think about, am I storing that data in mm -hmm. the right way? What do I need to analyze it? So it's really just slowly walk yourself up. A lot of times I talk about data as being kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs in some ways. Yes. You can like imagine that pyramid for yourself mm -hmm. and all the way at the base of it is just, is my data right in the first place? Mm -hmm. Data is the ultimate place for garbage in, garbage out. If I'm collecting garbage, my analysis will be garbage. Mm -hmm. So get your house in order and then slowly build yourself up that pyramid to the more interesting, cool stuff. I will ask both of you this question. What are maybe the first three questions that you ask yourselves or, or in your case, offer to a client um, when you're starting the process of identifying that problem and figuring out what the, what the solution is? So what we've done is we actually collect data up front by providing a questionnaire that provides us with a situational outcome. We're able to see almost like a high, medium, low, because we did our due diligence beforehand to say these are the type of questions that we would ask in order to get to the answer that we're looking for and so that we can categorize them into the, the appropriate product, mm. right? And with that information, back to your point, it's like we, we, we go up a scale. So if this is the outcome of the data that they supply to us in the questionnaire, this is the systemic program that we're going to provide to that client. Mm -hmm. And it's all automated. So we've actually, through data, been able to develop decision trees to build into our back-end process to make sure that we're also systematically reaching the outcome as well as through the comp the client yeah. experience reaching the outcome did that answer your question it did yeah i love that you're kind of proactively building some of those systems and uh, you know a lot of the people coming to us are not necessarily that proactive they don't have right that mindset. So they're, they're like starting to get to that point but not necessarily there yet and so a lot of times someone will come to us with 
a partially formed business question. And it's our job as a team to strip the layers back from it. It's basically just asking why and how a lot of times over and over again until you strip an idea to its core essence. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest problems we find as well is people don't actually know the types of questions that you can ask of data and mm -hmm. how to formulate those questions. So when I'm thinking in the predictive analytics space, that can often be questions of, can I predict the likelihood of something to occur? Mm -hmm. That's the idea of a supervised data set versus an unsupervised data set. So like I know the outcomes and I can predict it, or I don't know the outcomes and I can try to find patterns in it, right? Mm -hmm. So there's like that level of customer education that has to happen mm -hmm. as well. And what I love about what you just said, which was very important, is because I have a master's in business and also um, a concentration in Homeland Security, for me, when I'm servicing the clients, I automatically have that hat of data. And, and that's what allows us to look at the questions mm -hmm. up front because we understand that in my world, when you're servicing families or you're servicing corporations, there's a lot of regulatory risk. If I don't apply the regulatory uh, risk, re regulatory standards within servicing those base those bases, then I can't do business mm -hmm. in those spaces. And so, you know, to your point, I think it's only because of the comprehensive experience in my background that allows me to think from a data perspective on how to best run our business models. So you're absolutely right. I see it frequently with my peer group. Like how, why are you thinking? But I have a tech, I've always had a tech. So when I talk about having a tech as a business, I explore techs across the globe. So during the pandemic, I had one in South Africa and I had one in Florida to help me make sure that we're constantly looking at tools and models to, to automate our processes. Wow, about half of that went over my head. You basically are describing like a skill set that I just simply don't have. And I wonder though, how many people really actually have that skill set? I mean, from the Chamber's perspective, um, you know, we've asked this question a few times to people, and I'll cite specifically um, Brookfield Property, mm -hmm. who owns Christiana Mall. Um, we had his, their CEO speak at an event a couple years ago, um, theme was data, and um, we said, you know, what is the number one type of job that you're hiring for? And it was data analysts. Mm -hmm. He's in this just like dire need of data analysts, mm -hmm. but he can't really find people like that. Um, and, and you know, you're basically describing that you developed yourself yeah. into that. How does someone stumble into the field and, and learn? I mean, it's a huge emerging field right now. Mm -hmm. So over the last decade in particular, it's gone to being basically the hottest job in the market, mm -hmm. essentially. A few years back, the Harvard Business Review literally called data science the hottest job in the country, in the world, essentially. And that was probably the first time anyone ever saw the term. Uh, in the general public, <laughs> probably. It, yeah. It's been percolating in the background for yeah. a long time, though. So there's a lot of places you can find it. There's a lot of university programs that are starting to be developed around that. So mm -hmm. as a great example, University of Delaware has built an interdisciplinary data science institute. Mm -hmm. and that's one of the interesting things about data is that the people can actually come from a lot of different places, right? So if I'm thinking at the university level, if I'm a psychologist, I'm using data all the time. Absolutely. I have those tools. I could be in computer science. 
I could be in electrical engineering. There's a lot of places that that persona already exists. Right. It's just kind of removing them from the domain and saying, hey, this skill set doesn't mm -hmm. need to apply to electrical engineering anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can apply to a marketing need Absolutely. or whatever else it might be. I think one of the things that can be really confusing for people is there's a lot of different type of data people mm -hmm. out there. Right. You mentioned data analysts. That's different than a data scientist. That's different than a data engineer. Absolutely. That's different from a, I can probably name 15 more of those types of yeah. positions. And that can be confusing for mm -hmm. people to start to navigate. So mm -hmm. a lot of interesting questions there to deal with. And you just, you nailed it. And, and, uh, and individuals usually don't understand that until, until they start to delve in mm -hmm. to it. Because we had to hire a data science scientist to be able to do some of the mechanics of the back end of our operations. Mm -hmm. Because a user entry or a data entry person did not have the specific skill set to be able to execute on our behalf. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until we got our feet wet that we had individuals be able to explain that level of detail to us, but that was after we got the data. And just to, 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 to chime in on the part where you talked about UD, University of Delaware is absolutely phenomenal. And from the, from the, from the conception phase of our business, uh, the University of Delaware, just their business library, the data mining and extracting information, even for us to do our global or consider global business, the global industry doesn't use NAX codes. They use different codes. And although we have the World Trade Center assisting us, we are the type of business that we run is not a normal export of services to other countries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I give a shout out to Paulie out there. He's phenomenal, but his specialty is in this, in this and helping with the research. And that gentleman spent hours helping us extract, doing different decision trees and working through the logistics. I applaud UD for the efforts that they've done to be able to impact the small business community here in the state of Delaware. That's great. And, you know, I'll transition a little bit to the Delaware Data Innovation Lab. We yeah. haven't necessarily dove into that yet, but it's relatively new. Do you want to talk about how it was born? Yeah, I definitely can. So <laughs> if we go back to the beginning of the pandemic, so it's March 2020 and the world changes yes. in a day. <laughs> uh, overnight. One day. Every day. <laughs> the world breaks, essentially, right? Yes. And so at the time, I was with a consulting firm based in Wilmington, Compass Red Data Labs. And we're primarily servicing for-profit companies, name brand, big companies that you've definitely heard of in mm -hmm. the area. And like I said, overnight the world changed. And so we're sitting there trying to think of how can we take this skill set we have as data scientists, data engineers, and make this a reality so that we can help augment the work mm -hmm. of people trying to help the world. <laughs> the world is in need. Um, fast forward a few months, we put together a proposal through for CARES Act funding from Newcastle County, um, and Matt Meyer and his team took a risk and funded the data lab. We were able to bring yes. on about 30 people right away, short-term roles at that point, to build proof-of-concept projects. Mm -hmm. And the whole goal is to use data for social good. So us as an organization now, a few things have changed since that time, but what has remained the same is we're primarily helping mission-driven organizations mm -hmm. to meet the needs of the population around us. So that mm -hmm. ends up being a lot of state government. We do a lot of work with um, the state of Delaware through a few different departments, 
could also be mission-driven organizations like nonprofits, but that could be a for-profit entity. A mm -hmm. lot of them are mission-driven too, and so sure. that's fully a possibility. Mm -hmm. In terms of what's changed, we have a fellowship program at this point, so we bring in about 10 people a year, uh, different skill sets, data scientists, data engineers, front-end developers, mm -hmm. who are committing a year to working on data for social good problems. Mm -hmm. And then we are now housed underneath Tech Impact. So we spun out as our own organization and then spun in and merged with Tech Impact. And so now we're a division mm -hmm. of Tech Impact at this point. So a lot awesome. of amazing stuff going on. Can you share some specific examples? Of, are you allowed to share some? Uh, I can definitely <laughs> share some things. We've done a couple of interesting projects. I often say that our work is focused on understanding equitable distribution of resources. So when you go look at the core of what our projects are, they kind of all have that at the central theme of what they are. Mm -hmm. A great example is we did some work on emergency rental assistance. So mm -hmm. as we're aware, if there's a housing crisis, people weren't getting paid, they couldn't pay rent, and government stepped in and had a program, emergency rental assistance program, to help with that. And so we partnered with the Delaware State Housing Authority to build some models to assist, particularly on the marketing side. So mm -hmm. making sure that people knew about that program, that they were targeting the right areas to bring people in, mm -hmm. and built some really interesting models based upon some equity measures to figure out, okay, this census tract has not gotten enough applications. We need to divert our marketing attention there mm -hmm. in order to get more people. Mm -hmm. We did some really interesting work with telehealth as well. Obviously, that exploded during the pandemic. Sure, absolutely. And so the and question is, it's here to stay, 100%. It's not changing. <laughs> but the question is, is that being utilized equitably across the state? Mm -hmm. So where is it being used more? Where is it being used less? What actions could we take to address that? So those are some pretty good examples of the type of work yes. we typically find ourselves doing. It's very cool. Yeah. I love it. And you also mentioned University of Delaware. Well, both of you did. Um, you teach a course at the university that's... I do. Um, so I teach a course called Foundations of R. If you're not familiar with data, there's really two programming languages that people use primarily to work with data. Those are R and Python. And then SQL is the other one that's kind of the, the backbone of everything going on. So R is one of those languages. It was my first love as a programming language. And my goal with that course has been I want to help people interested in making that transition into doing more advanced data things have an easier time doing it. Mm -hmm. The course is basically built to answer all the questions that I had when I first started and was confused about things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very project-based, very business question-driven, essentially, and really great for either the person who they identify as a heavy Excel user and want to push that skill set forward a little bit. I was just going to say, I love a good spreadsheet. Where you're telling me you could level me up. I, I do also love a good spreadsheet. <laughs> I also really love not working with spreadsheets ever anymore. <laughs> I can't like. even imagine my life without spreadsheets. Yeah, that's actually the funny thing. Data scientists like do not use spreadsheets at all. Yeah. Like Fun I fact. don't open Excel ever, um, <laughs> which is the number one surprising thing that people hear when they're talking to me. So yeah. Have you skilled up from spreadsheets? Yes, we have. <laughs> actually, we have. Um, our tech, we've actually, what we did during the pandemic is we explored um, what, what systems uh, were really feasible for our size business, all right? And will give us the output. And I loved Excel in the past, but I knew that I did not want an Excel spreadsheet in front of me, mm -hmm. right? And so as a result, we just recently migrated actually two of our companies 
and one of our companies is we were packaging it and licensing it to other minority contractors starting in October. So I was able to, I'm not a R or a CQL or a systems, but one but thing I can do, mean. But, listen, <laughs> but one thing I can do is I've learned how to build system requirements and specifications by writing that's out. That's really important. That's the first step. <laughs> yeah. And then acquiring the resources by saying, this is what I want. And most of my techs are like, what in the world did you just, you just wrote out all the requirements. Yes, yeah, so whatever that coding stuff you need to do, we just- This is this the goal, is, this right. is the requirement. And you know where, here's the requirement. So as long as I'm able to write out the specifications, which we were able to do, we're now able to license the intellectual property piece of that and now resell it you know, to be able to help. And we also did that with Married to the Ring, which is what we're about to package so that corporations can integrate our framework into their LMS systems. Mm. So I don't necessarily have to be on site. There, here's the need. We just need to make sure that you're a trainer, your corporate trainer that you already have in house can go ahead and use the same mythology in your processes. So yes, yeah. I, when I, I'm sitting on the other side of the table by you and I'm like, we are best friends. I don't know if I should have been a data tech or a data, but you know, but this is how you run an effective I'd say just keep operations. writing those requirements. Right. Believe me, the, the like technologists really appreciate some good requirements. Cause like things don't get lost in translation that way. No. Otherwise it's really hard. So yeah. I, I love that. And I, I love hearing that transition you're talking about from Excel to other systems. Cause yes. I think the reality is Excel or Google Sheets are gonna be the first data tool that most small mm -hmm. businesses, most small organizations mm -hmm. are gonna use. It's mm -hmm. just, that's just the reality of it. Right. They get into some conditional formatting, maybe a VLOOKUP, they're really happy with their life, but then at some point, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. and Excel has some real limitations, and so mm -hmm. it's that moment where you have to step back and say, okay, what are the new tools that I need in order that's to meet my current needs as an organization? Um, yeah. The second that you start to find yourself with yeah. Excel documents floating around that say like, uh, sales version one, Kelly, sales version two, like you're screwed. That's your, that's your, that's your moment of like, <laughs> I no longer have a single source of truth for my data and therefore I, I'm screwed, right. essentially. So that's the reflection point. We can't do that anymore, yeah. Ryan, and, 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 and I, we just can't. We can't survive in that culture anymore either. And, and what I love is when we discovered the one um, software that allows it to talk to all softwares, 80% of the softwares, we were like, now we have a single repository hmm. where we can do in-to-end -in business and then just have it talk to the output of our accounting systems, mm -hmm. the output of this, and not have to do nothing. Literally, they just go ahead and add that program to it and we feed all of it in that one central repository. So to your point, because we can't, most small businesses, let's just be very transparent. We can't afford what those larger corporations 100%. are doing, but we can function and operate with a corporate framework that allows us to slowly migrate into a, a world of automation as if you're functioning at a larger scale until you arrive to that scale. Um, we just recently have a corporate sponsor that reached out to us and because we had requirements, you know, they were like, wow, we'll help undergird the cost of that at a larger scale. But if we didn't, if we weren't doing it and if we didn't have it, 
they would have we would not have been able to articulate mm -hmm. our need properly to that industry. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there, we've all seen the trends the last couple of years, but so many people have been moving around and changing jobs, and mm. you know that's when systems like this are so powerful because you know a spreadsheet is someone's head. And as you move on or come into a new position and inherit all of these spreadsheets, it's really hard to read that person's mind, especially when they're not there anymore. And it gets really messy. So having systems and processes in place that can kind of alleviate that and make transitions a lot smoother is very important. Yeah, I think the key, the key and you, 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 you had it down on, the turnover rate, and then if you're, you're, you're looking to expand, you know, and, and you're single-handedly running an operations, but you got several paid professionals. As long as everything is on your server, mm. you can control everything. But yet, to your point, that documentation is key. You know, just to be very transparent again, most small businesses that, that are in my category may not have a statement of operations or, or, or operating procedures in-house. Well, I understand I have to because of where the company is going, you know, at some point. But when someone leaves and you don't have that, there's such a huge risk because they're taking everything, the intellectual property, and large corporations don't allow you to do that. If you build it on their space, there's terms and conditions written in. This is theirs now, mm -hmm. you know, but we've built that on our side. So when people come to us, they're like, wow, married to the ring. Did you guys lose anything? Absolutely not, because everything was migrated onto our servers. Everything was in a central repository. We have controls in place, you know, and, and, and we had to pause for a second. It was okay to say pause, and we don't redeploy until these controls are in place because, the, because of the risk. So even on a data side, I think if people understand there's risk if you don't have AI in place. Mm -hmm. And what does that risk look like is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. So, question for you both. Um, I will look to Ryan as the the recommender and Tanya as you know, providing an answer on some resources that you use. Yeah. Um, but for small businesses who are looking for resources that are either free or affordable, mm -hmm. um, because they're not that large business that has this mm -hmm. huge budget to be able to, to mm -hmm. dedicate towards mm -hmm. this. Um, I know the state of Delaware recently launched Size Up Delaware, yeah. um, a free online tool to allow small and medium-sized businesses um, the ability to access data and kind of project and um, help their businesses grow. What other resources would you recommend? Um, and then what, what resources do you use that you would recommend to someone as well? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a, a couple routes you could take there. One is, how do I build the skill set of my internal talent? And mm -hmm. another is, how do I get access to data mm -hmm. that's going to help me beyond the internal data I already have? And so there's different resources for both of those things. If I'm thinking of how do I build my internal talent so that they can you know, go from using that Excel sheet to knowing some more advanced techniques, you know, I'll toot my own horn a little bit, but <laughs> like a course like the one I teach would be great and specifically look for University of Delaware's professional and continuing studies programs, mm -hmm. right? There's some great programs there, not just mine, but about more advanced data analytics mm -hmm. techniques 
And that's just a good way to start bringing in that knowledge in-house that are pretty affordable. And also you can take advantage of, I believe it's Elevate Delaware um, and the yep. resources that they have. So mm -hmm. that can be even more affordable, if not free. I, I don't know the exact terms. If you for apply um, under Elevate Delaware, they pay for the training. Um, I know the staff at the chamber actually for data analytics looked into a course for the staff. <laughs> yeah, so that would, that's one really great resource if you're thinking of that, like, that type of learning that you're looking mm -hmm. for. If you're looking for places to bring in data, there's also some amazing resources. So for example, the state has an open data portal, mm -hmm. and that includes a really wide variety of things that could be really helpful to think about the environment that you're doing business in, to make some decisions about that, um, or that you could augment the data that you're working with internally to continue to make better decisions with. Mm -hmm. um, similarly, there's like the census. The census is this amazing resource mm -hmm. that goes down to super granular levels of population and probably one of the first places you should be thinking about if you want to augment the internal data you have. It takes a little bit of expertise to use in a repeatable way, but great, great places to look for sure. I'd love yeah. to know for you, like you're yeah, the actual you business person who's had to solve this. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking pie in the sky. What about you? Absolutely. So one of the resources that I have found to be, I mean, amazing, remarkable is the IBIS World Industry Report, uh, which is what most uh, corporations measure industry reports and data. Uh, and this information actually is available through the agencies, the small business, SPDC, the mm -hmm. Women's Business Center, True Access Capital, mm. as well as the, oh, the library, the University of Delaware Library, who has access to retrieve the information by industry, which gives us trends and lets us know what's changing up through five years in your specific industry, what you need to do from a national and a local level. And so that is, is, is so good. And then the second thing that I really leverage a lot is I like Size Up. When Size Up came out, I thought I was doing Carlos. I was like, yes. That's great. But um, <laughs> I was like, who thought of this? You know, I was screaming out loud. But um, affiliates, you know, affiliates that are aligned with my industry or are a supplier of my industry. So I'll use an example, Delaware State Chamber. As a member on the legislative committee, being able to have access to legislation helps us determine how to drive some of our policies and procedures in-house. Mm -hmm. So we look into that database that the House has, but we're also able to get clarification or guidance through participation by asking questions with the advocacy that the Delaware State Chamber provides. Uh, another piece for me with regards to data is I am big on census. Mm -hmm. Census is, is, is huge for us um, as well in trying to um, determine how we're gonna navigate through the climate. And also, um, I do align our organization with affiliates that are at a national level. So who are my suppliers? Mm -hmm. How do I reach? And since I'm now in the B2B space, I am actually a certified, um, I'm certified as a NMSDC, so as a minority, it's called the National Minority Supplier Diversity Council. Mm -hmm. So our supplier diversity chief suppliers across corporations are able to extract information, but because I am a member, we actually have access to the decision makers of those corporations 
as a member that will give us data that aligns specifically with our industry. That's huge. That's that's like you, but you go through an intrusive, you know, I don't want to stay intrusive as in a negative way, we go through a due diligence process to make sure being certified annually, mm-hmm. you're, you're, everything is on the table, but that's to minimize risk and liability to corporations. So that global portal for all of the organizations or corporations for us as a minority, we now have access to their chief supplier diversities That's across great. the globe. Very interesting. Um, curious if you have questions for each other. I know this is the first time you're meeting each other, so. I do. I'm like, Ryan, I just yeah, said I come over there and be like, <laughs> I just, you know, what's good about it is, you know, as we start and we are certified also, we're certified on every level, married to the ring, state, government, federal with the SBA. Um, so we're able also to extract information through PTAC uh, on types of bids, which is important that aligns yeah. with our industry. Um, but I'm very interested in seeing how we could um, extract data at the state level to be able to partner and understand specifically, you know, the tools. Corporate and relationships is very different because it's more structured. It's in the private sector, but there are definitely opportunities in the government and the state where there are opportunities around relationship building and how we feed in as a supplier is key. And so, you know, I just recently had a conversation with Siobhan White, and I I think there's some great opportunity, but you have data. I don't have the data that you have. So how could we as a small business, you know, partner with your team uh, to determine what you have available that is affordable for our companies? So we only work with open source data. So anything we're working with, it, well, that's not entirely true. Most of the data that we could give someone access to is just already open source, right? It's the census, it's the open data portal, it's data from HUD, it's you know, all, most state agencies, most federal agencies publish data of some kind that you as an organization, you as a citizen, have the right to access. And it's really just a matter of understanding what's available and doing that due diligence to understand what it is. Um, we have other data that's our partner's data that there's no way we would ever share with anyone because right. it's personally identifiable. It has all the data privacy is just such an important issue. We're never going to touch any of those things. Right. But that's the place that I think most organizations are, they just don't know about it. Even mm-hmm. though it's right there in front of you, it's free. Literally, it's free. Um, it's published in a very easy way to take advantage of it. But the resource is just people don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you take advantage of it if yeah. you don't know what the resource is? So I think there's a there's a gap there, yeah. for sure. Yeah. How can we work to close that gap? That is a great question. We can and raise awareness. It's, it's really yeah. a marketing type of yeah. question more than anything else. Um, it's, there's definitely, there's a couple things. One, by making sure that interesting, effective data sets are made public and publicized. So for example, Perhaps that's something about new business starts. That would be a very interesting data set that could be put out that I think some version of that is on the state's open data portal already. Mm -hmm. That could be a very strategically helpful data set for most small businesses getting, either getting started or who already exist and want to get a better sense of the landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, So finding those interesting data sets, advocating for those data sets to be made public if they're not already public. Um, The state has an open data council that specifically they think about that. They, they're trying to be thoughtful about how do we build a pipeline to make it so that those data sets are available for people. 
it's an advocacy and market, it's marketing an advocacy, question. Yeah. Well, and that would be my next question. Yeah. Who do you see in Delaware as um, helping be those voices? To use to, open to public get that, data? Yeah, to get that education out there. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a good question. I don't know if there really is a single voice yeah. who's doing that, right? So mm -hmm. if I look at the state, those assets are primarily managed by the Department of Technology and Information. They're, they oversee the Open Data Council. They manage the Open Data Portal. Like mm -hmm. I said, phenomenal resources. And I don't know if they're doing the work to do that advertisement necessarily, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that might not be exactly their role. Mm -hmm. um, so there almost needs to be some groups stepping in to be like, hey, mm -hmm. these resources are here. Mm -hmm. Besides sure. that, and like a third party who can right. do it essentially. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I would say about um, before we deployed Married to the Ring in our, in our construction company, we partner with the SBDC. They had a IT um, director and we had to develop technology plans for mm. the small business. That was a forum that raised awareness. Um, to allow small businesses to understand, and it may be going on today, I don't know, um, but that was a forum. When that technology plan rolled over with the cybersecurity piece, mm -hmm. it was like, oh my God, I didn't ever thought about that as a small business owner to make sure that those systems were all captured with the plan in order for us to get the data that is required of us. And I think to your point, there is no single repository. I think having these types of series or sessions and, 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 and have an open dialogue like this allows individuals to be like, oh my God, let me take these notes. Let me, I can go here, I can start to query here, I can start to pull here, but I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you, every small business owner needs a tech. <laughs> you know, I mean, at the end of the day, every small business owner, and so in their capacity plan or operating plan, I have one that's a paid professional, they're not in-house, you know, um, at some point in time, we would like to do that once we're able to expand our capacity uh, to do that. But you got to have a tech. Mm -hmm. You just you, you have to have someone on deck. Well, getting back to oh, sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Um, to the root of the, the whole conversation is that so many people, when they hear the word data or data, um, just don't know what it means. So right. what's the best first step for anyone. I think we can all acknowledge that it's important for businesses to pay attention and figure out what data sets are best for them, but what's your best advice to get them started? My best advice, I, I mean, this may sound remedial, but it's important. A marketing plan and a marketing analysis is, is, is the beginning of anything to determine whether or not it's eligible, because really, when a small business owner can craft that skill they have to do it for every launch. Like it's not a one stop. It's like for any new launch of a product, any any change of a product, it, you have to do it all throughout the entire use of your business. And so partnering with where I started, partnering with the library, you know, but specifically in my in my case, you know, when I looked at the libraries across the state, University of Delaware library is specifically tailored to small businesses here mm -hmm. for the state of Delaware. So I highly encourage uh, the use of that library in the resources that they pr provided internally. I would also highly encourage working alongside of the SBDC, you know, and those groups of, mm -hmm. of partnering agencies because we have strong partners across the state to ask questions. And there were instances where even 
individuals who are in a position and they may not have known the answer and we had to take it a step further, but make sure that there's like this checklist. Maybe that's something the state chamber can supply, you know, a smaller size business, a checklist. These are things that you need to consider mm -hmm. up front. Um, not something that will run them away because usually someone's good in their trade, but they're like, what, that administration stuff we don't want, you know? But at the end of the day, I think a checklist and then working with individuals such as your group, Data Innovation, to be able to say, how do we do these lunch and learns? How do we continue to raise awareness? Mm -hmm. how, how do we teach the business acumen, the acumen of data? Yeah, so I think that last point is where I could build off of in yeah. saying it really is about go find a problem that is at the core of the work that you do. If you sell an item, you probably want to start at a data problem related to selling that item. Mm -hmm. If you run events, it's going to be about running those events. Mm -hmm. Whatever it might be, find that core issue, that mm -hmm. one sticky thing that has a return on investment, if you can just solve that problem. That's mm -hmm. the place mm -hmm. you want to start from. Um, and I think from there, it's about just starting to layer in those other pieces mm -hmm. we talked about. Mm -hmm. Am I collecting data the right way? Am I formulating my question the right way? Mm -hmm. Am I doing those things? But it all goes back to that. Sing right. If it's like a side thing for your business, like it's gonna fall off the wayside and it's mm -hmm. not gonna matter. It, it just isn't gonna be relevant. It has right. to be core and central to what you do. Take it from there. Right. That's great. Mm -hmm. I need to ask ourselves some questions. Event is a good one for us. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I mean, they're all problem solving. Right. And so kind of starting from the beginning, you know, what what is the thing that I'm trying to solve right. and going from there. Yeah, you know, um, if we it's take like backwards thinking. It is 100% right. backwards thinking. Right. If you get too far in the weeds too early, you're screwed. Like it, on the event side, it can be questions of like, what are the marketing actions that I take that lead to the largest number of people RSVPing and showing up, right? Exactly. Like, that's a, a pretty simple question and it requires tracking all that information, mm -hmm. knowing what it is. Is there an optimal time to put out the calendar invite for exactly. people? Is it seven days ahead? Is it five days ahead? Is it three days ahead? Like yeah. Whatever it might be. Like those are all very data-driven decisions that have clear impact, clear measurable impact, mm -hmm. and just formulating the question the right way is helpful. And those are the kind of simple ones, mm -hmm. essentially. You can yeah, take absolutely. it a lot further from sure. there. So 100%. Well, this was an enlightening conversation today. Um, and this is what these conversations are all about. It's bringing two members of the state chamber together. Um, sometimes you know each other, sometimes you don't. In today's case, I think you're going away as friends. I think so. Yes, <laughs> we're going to be best friends. <laughs> but just bringing two members together Absolutely. to really tackle important topics that are that are crucial to the business community. Yeah. Um, so I thank you both for joining us today. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you afterwards, uh, Ryan, how can they, can they contact you? Sure, uh, best way is definitely through email. Um, it's ryanh at techimpact.org. Love to get in touch, talk about how to use data, whether it's mission driven or just helping you otherwise and having a conversation. Ryan and I are also personal friends and it's true, he loves to talk about data. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so at Mary to the Ring, with, so marytothering.com or you can do tanyawilliamson.com, either one interchangeably uh, and on all of our social links and LinkedIn, it's Tanya Williamson. So, I mean, you definitely can reach out and ask any questions. Awesome. And we're doing more of these conversations. Um, we've got several more planned to go. Um, and if there's any suggestions down the line of topics that you'd really like us to dive deep into, 
I'm all ears. You can find me on LinkedIn or at the Chamber's website, www.dscc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And thanks for joining me. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Kelly, a show by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. If you have responses, questions, ideas for future topics, or just want to get in touch, you can reach out to me at kbasil at dscc.com. That's K-B-A-S-I-L-E at dscc.com. Or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can follow us there to see bonus content from the show. Thanks to our guests and to our production team, Short Order Production House. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. I'm your host, Kelly Basil. We'll see you soon.